Amen. We're excited you're here today. We've been talking about three chairs uh, and the, you know, all the chairs. The first chair is commitment. That's where we want to live our life. We want to be committed followers of Christ. Amen. Second chair is compromise. That, that chair, so many people, so many areas of our life, we live in a place of duplicity where there's lots of compromise in our life. But we want to pull ourselves out of that chair and, and just press towards that first chair. That third chair of complacency, that always leads to conflict. No matter what it is in your life that you're being complacent about, it won't be long till there's conflict in your life in that area. So you just, you just definitely want to stay out of that chair. We've talked about what it is to be a first chair husband, a first chair wife, first chair parents. We talk to the kids about being first chair children. We talk about first chair everything. Well, today we're going to talk about first chair moms and what it is to be first chair towards a mom. I think, you know, we can talk to the mothers, but not everybody in the room is a mother. But we can talk about how we're supposed to treat mothers because everybody in the room has a mother. Hello? Matter of fact, if you never had a mother, please hold your hand up. You know, we, we, know, we know you had a mama. Look at your neighbor and say, you had a mama. Okay? She might have dropped you off somewhere, but you had one. Okay? And, uh, and some of our mothers, they deserve a lot more honor than we give them. Amen? Uh, but let's matter of fact, look at this. Ephesians 6, 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth which the Lord your God has given to you. My, my dad taught us this verse this way. Honor your father and your mother so, so I don't take you out early. Okay. <laughs> Proverbs 8 or 1, 8. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. How many know that your mother can lay down the law? Hmm? And you're not supposed to forsake the law of your mother. That Getting ready for Mother's Day, and I, I, I just want to be honest with you. You know, holiday sermons are not like my forte, okay? I, I, don't, I don't get in that holiday groove very good, so this is a little uncomfortable for me. But as a matter of fact, I tried and tried to get God to tell Shelby to preach. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a lot of wisdom about motherhood because I know everything about that. And, uh, uh, but, but, you know, we, we prayed about it, we talked about it, and I just realized that there's a couple of things that I believe God would like me to share, but in the, in the search and in my place of discomfort, I come across a bunch of great quotes, and uh, I'll read a couple of them. A Jewish proverb said, God uh, might not be able to be everywhere, therefore he made mothers. Okay. Uh, I like this one. Uh, a frazzled mother sent her little boy to bed, and on his way she heard him make this statement. Every time she gets tired, I'm the one who ends up taking a nap. <laughs> Can you relate to that? Just a piece of history. Uh, Bartholdi, the famous French sculptor who did, uh, you know, the, you, you know what he did, right? Statue of Liberty. And he raised $4 million on his own, gave 20 years of devotion. The French nation gave the statue to the U.S. But finding the model uh, created quite a controversy. They, they, they believed that the model for the Statue of Liberty needed to be a woman whose features could reproduce liberty, freedom, respect, love, and acceptance. They, they examined dozens and dozens of, of uh, people whose lives were heroic and uh, that they felt might be a good representation. At the end, Bartholdi selected his own mother. I thought that's kind of cool. You know, you're going you're gonna to... 
look for somebody that's got all of the attributes. Isn't it awesome to choose your mama? Amen. You know, I, I think about my mother and I think about what uh, she had to go through raising my siblings. Obviously, obviously, my mother has chosen to live with her favorite child. And so she's. <laughs> that's great. Where's I, mom? I love you, mama. Mom. Mom, you pay attention when I'm up here. (laughs) That's kind of funny. My mom's over there having her own private service. Your rent just went up. (laughs) First chair moms. Let's talk about first chair moms. We want to be first chair in every every aspect of our life. Titus uh, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. The older women likewise, that they would be reverent, in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, uh, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. In the New Living, it says, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. How many know that no matter who you are, we need to live in a way that honors God? You know, to be first chair is to live a life that pleases God. You know, we, I want my life to please God. A lot of times I think people are under the impression that we should live to please them. And, you know, don't you have people in your world that they think that you ought to live to please them? But how many of you found out that no matter how hard you try, you can't really ever please everybody? And some people it's nearly impossible. Hello? But pleasing God. The Bible says that he's given us everything that we need to live a life that pleases God. All things that, that pertain to life and godliness he's already given to us. And we should be living in a way that honors God. He said that they might not be slanders of others, that they wouldn't be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach each other what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. There's some, there's some description, some job description here of the older women. And older doesn't necessarily mean up in age. It means mature. Actually, it's a point in time when they have come to a place where they live long enough to sort the difference between that which is of great value and that which is of little or no value. They're not threatened or frightened by the process of aging. They understand that it's rich and rewarding and a wonderful experience. It doesn't make any difference who you are and who you're dealing with when you're dealing with somebody who's got a few years on you. It, it could be five years. There's something about that five years that, that brings a perspective that you couldn't possibly have without the five years. You know, I look at my boys. My boys are talented. They're gifted. They're anointed. They're qualified. But the reality is, is that there's something I have that they can't get without the years is perspective. You can't have perspective without the experience. And we need to honor people who have more experience than we do, even if you're smarter than they are. That's an amen spot. Even, even if you're more talented than they are, even if you're more gifted than they are, they have perspective that you couldn't possibly possess. And to let that perspective go without tapping into it, you've got to be kind of half crazy. Because the reality is, is that there's some things in life that you and I need to know so that we don't have to live certain things or so that we don't miss important things. And this perspective that God offers us through the lives of others, I think we need to take hold of and be excited about receiving from. Somebody say amen. 
He said, you know, I want these women to live a life that honors God, a life of sobriety. It's not necessarily staying away simply from alcohol. It's staying away from any influence that is other than spiritual. He said, you know, in the Bible it says, don't get drunk with wine where is, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. It, you know, can, can we just be unreligious this morning? Because we're going to be. Okay, I just don't do the religion thing real well. And so I'll, I'll probably mess with you guys a little bit here because I think some of your mothers could use a stiff drink right about now. Okay, you know, they could tip one back because they had you in the house all this time and you're still alive. And so, you know, you ought to thank God, that, you know, praise Jesus we're, we're where we are today. Amen. The Bible doesn't say that, that you shouldn't drink. It says that you shouldn't be drunk. Uh, but it's not really talking here just about alcohol. That scripture that says, you know, be not uh, filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's talking about what influences your life. You're living under the influence. What are you under the influence of? What is it that's directing and dictating your steps and your choices? And he said, you know what? I want these women, I want these first chair women to be influenced by the Spirit of God, not by any other influence. Not, don't limit that to, to, to alcohol. I don't want you living under the influence of anger. I don't want you living under the influence of depression. I don't want you living under the influence of, of poor self-worth. God said, come on, let's, live, let's be led by the Spirit of God. Man, there's so much life and so much hope and so much future that God has for us. Let's embrace that and let God pull us into the life that he's called us to. He said, don't let them be, you know, those Gals that are running around like a tailbear, gossip, false accusers. Don't let them be led by that spirit, but let them be led by a spirit that knows life. A spirit that's free from sin. If you're going to be a servant, the Bible says then be a servant of righteousness. Hello? Not given to wine, but given to God. Not given to anger, but given to peace. Not given to hopelessness, but given to hope. I think if we, if, if, wouldn't it be cool if we could just get drunk with hope? Hmm? If you could just get drunk with joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Some of you guys could use a stiff drink. That they would be teachers of good things. That they would, that they would teach what's right. That they would demonstrate and, and be an example in all things and give some this much needed uh, insight into the lives of younger women. Training the younger women, training them, and it literally means to keep them on track or to restore to one's senses. It means to bring to a place of soundness of mind, to discipline or correct. You know, I think in, in, in our current society, one of the things that we lack is the ability to receive correction. You know, we look at correction like it's a bad thing. Correction's a good thing. I mean, without correction, you live wrong. You, you, you know, I, I just don't think that we understand the, the results of living wrong. Because when you live wrong, you end up with the wrong result. Well, yeah, but God, God's going to come through. God can't come through if you're living wrong. You know, you ever get tired of always having the wrong result? Well, maybe you ought to start living the right life. Live the right life. Live a life that's able to receive correction. And here, Paul's writing, and he says, you know what? These more mature women need to have the, uh, the responsibility of keeping the younger women on track. Train them up. Tra they, they must train them. They must keep them on track. 
Why? Because it's going to be easy for them to get off track. You're going to be in a culture, in a society that, think about our current society. Anybody that wants to live a biblically based life is under attack because our current society does not embrace biblical principles. So now all of a sudden we need somebody who has some wisdom, some insight, and some backbone to live the example and to be able to speak into our lives when we're getting off track. You need somebody to keep you on track. You need somebody who can speak into your life and say, hey, that's not first chair lifestyle. And the younger women, they need to be trained. Look at this in Titus 2.4 in the, in the New Living. Uh, the older women must train. Everybody say must train. It's not they should or they could. It says they must. They must. Why? Because it's a job that has to be done. It must train the younger women to love their husbands. Now, Let's just spend a second here. If you're on your seventh husband and you don't like him either, there's a good chance you're not the one we want training the younger women. Hello. You know, well, you don't understand. I was married to the devil six times. It might be, well, I won't go there because it's Mother's Day. But here's the deal. Is that a first chair mom knows how to lead her daughters to loving their husbands and their children. I I, I just need to be pastoral and just say this. Ladies, whatever your previous experience has been, and I realize that there's, there's a lot of destruction and chaos, and I don't want to put anybody under condemnation, but the message that we want to proclaim is a message of hope, future, and love. And we need people who can teach the younger how to love their husbands and their children. It says in the next verse, it says to live wisely and to be pure. To live with wisdom. To live with wisdom. Biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom. You know... First chair moms possess biblical wisdom, and they know how to share it. First chair moms understand the power of purity. First chair moms recognize they have a role in the home. They're keepers of the house. It's not not necessarily somebody who's picking up your socks. You hear me, Scott? Your, Your wife is not your mama. But she's a keeper of the home. That, that word, uh, the, here where it says in the New Living, it says to work in the home. King James, I think it says keeper of the house, keeper of the home. Uh, that word, it literally is like a guard dog. They oversee that environment. They're wired by God to see and to recognize things that, uh, well, all I can do is speak from our experience. There are things in, in our house that my wife will begin to sense Weeks before I even notice. Hello? I mean, she's just on it. And she's speaking into it. And I don't even have the time to know what she's talking about. But I'm like, listen to your mother. Because she's got this gift. It's not talking about women shouldn't work outside the home. Read Proverbs 31. You know, uh, 
But the reality is, is that in that environment, there's something placed inside of a woman that's beyond that which a man possesses. And so she's got her eye on the house and she's teaching them to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Submission is not a bad thing. We, in our, just understand, in our culture, in our society, everybody thinks submission is a bad word. It's because you don't understand the word. Well, yeah, but it's legalism. No, actually, it's liberty. It's liberty to bring your creativeness to the table under the divine uh, protection that God has placed in that environment. All of a sudden, you're free to be who God's created you to be, and your husband has a responsibility to protect your gift. And, you know, and that's what that's what it's saying is that, you know what, let's just let's just read it this way. First chair ladies live with wisdom. First chair ladies are pure and they guard their home. They watch over the house that God's given them and they understand what it means to submit and protect and to honor. Look, that they won't bring shame on the word of God. Quit arguing your point. You, you try, you know, you get to fighting about, you get to fighting about submission or you get to fighting about your job in the house or you get to fighting about what kind of wisdom. Stop it. We want to, we want to protect the word of God. It's not your mindset. It's not your definition that matters. It's God's. It's God's. So we just need to be, you know what, we just need to have this heart that says, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be first chair. I'm going to be first chair. And if a younger woman connects herself to the right godly woman, you know what she's going to learn? She's going to learn how to be a husband lover. She's going to learn how to be a lover of her children. She's going to learn how to keep guard and watch and protect. And she's also going to learn how to bring the vision that God's put in her to reality under the covering of the man that God's given to her. She's going to understand what it is to have health and life and, and, and joy. And she's not going to need alcohol to make it through the day. She's not going to need pills to help her with her depression. She's not going to need somebody to come alongside of her and pick her up out of the rut. Why? Because the joy of the Lord will be her strength. Hello, somebody. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I love living first chair. You know... Now, that's, that's the description of the first chair mom. But how about our role as first chair believers towards moms? I need you to understand that you cannot willfully be wrong with your mother and right with God at the same time. I said you cannot willfully be wrong with your mother and be right with God at the same time. So if you've had a problem with your mom for the last whatever, if she's still alive, you need to fix that. Man, I'm, man, I'm feeling God up in there. Well, you don't understand my mother. You don't understand the Word of God. You're supposed to honor your mother, and that it, there's no end to that. I said there's no end to that. Look at this, John 19, verse 26, 27. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. This is Jesus at the cross. He's he's getting nailed to a tree. And 
he's concerned about his mother. I think if Jesus on the way to the cross is showing concern for his mother, that you on your way to work ought to have some concern for your mom. Hello? You're on your way to Dairy Queen. Surely you can care about what's going on with your mom. So what you need to do is love your mama. And I want to give you seven ways to love your mama. Number one, love her verbally. Everybody say verbally. You got to tell her you love her. You got to, you know what? Your wife, your kids need to hear you. Come on, man. They need to hear you say, I love you. I've heard a lot of men that, that, that have made this statement. Maybe you've heard it before. And I've heard men say, well, I told you once I loved you. You already know it. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Well, that's kind of a sissified response. You might think you're a man. I think you're a little girl. Just looking around the room to find which one of them I'm going to beat up after church. I'll show my love to you. I don't have to tell you. No, you need to say it. And they need to hear it. You don't understand. 29 years, Shelby and I have been married. And in that 29 years, you know, we we didn't do a lot of marriage counseling before we were married. I felt like I could. I thought I knew everything about marriage. But no one would come. So after we were married a while and people started coming to us, you have no idea how many problems that we've seen over the years that are really tied to the fact that nobody says it. I have men that will tell me that their fathers never ever told them, I love you. You don't understand the damage that that does. So come on, man, get a backbone. It's not that big of a deal. Matter of fact, I want every man in the room to look at somebody and just say it. I love you. Mom, I love you. Your rent's still going up. (laughs) Got to tell her verbally. Amen. Tell her verbally. Uh, Number two. You got to love her physically. When's the last time you gave your mom a hug? When's the last time you just put your hand on her shoulder and let her know that you cared? And Well, my mom lives in Colorado. Well, my mom's right there. You can borrow her. You know, she needs that touch. Your mom needs to be able to just sit down and sit on the couch with you. You don't even need to talk. You just need to spend time together. Amen. You need to love her. You need to love her verbally. You need to love her physically. Number three, you need to love her patiently. Think about the job of motherhood. It's an incredible job really with no pay. There's no position in the business world that even compares to the physical, emotional, spiritual commitment that's involved in motherhood. Not, not one occupation. She rises up at the break of day And through her task, she races. She cooks the meals as best she may and scrubs the children's faces. While school books, lunches, homework, too, all need consideration, and yet the census man insists she has no occupation. When breakfast dishes all are done, she bakes a pudding, maybe. She cleans the rooms up one by one with one eye watching baby. The mending pile she then attacks by way of variation. And yet the census man insists she has no occupation. She irons for a little while and then presses pants for daddy. She welcomes with a cheery smile, returning lass and laddie. A hearty dinner next she cooks, no time for relaxation. And yet the census man insists 
She has no occupation. Don't ever make the mistake of asking a lady, do you work or do you stay at home? She'll be left one time for three days. When she came back, I'd hired four people. Shelby left one time. Shelby left one time, and, I, and the, the three boys were pretty young. T- Stephen was like three, two or three years old, two or three years old. And uh, uh, while she was gone, and I was do- doing something around the house for her, <laughs> Stephen got in the car, drove it across the street through the neighbor's house, while I stood in the living room holding a baby, watching through the picture window. Evan was out in the parking lot underneath another car in the fetal position. He thought his brother was dead. And all I could think about is, what are we going to tell their mother? (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Uh, I want to just drop this little thought out to teenagers. Uh, It's unfair for you to be more kind and considerate and patient with your friends than you are with your own mother. Matter of fact, I think if you treated your friends the way you treat your mother, well, one, you either wouldn't have any friends or you would have a happy, happy mom. So you got to ask yourself, what do you want? No friends or a lot of friends and a happy, happy mom. You got to love her, number four, attentively. You need to love her attentively. You need to listen. You need to be sympathetic and sit and just let her talk. Because she's always been on your side. Hello? There's a documentary that was uh, presented. It was of men on their way to execution for capital crimes. They interviewed these men and their mothers as well. And then... Invariably, the mothers would say, but he's such a good boy. Well, he murdered 37 people with an axe. Yeah, but he has a great heart. Mothers never give up. You can be an axe murderer and your mama still loves you. You got to remember that kind of love and realize that it's payback time. It's time for her to receive from the seed that she's sown. Hello? You need to love her, number five, gratefully. An elementary science class had been studying magnets and how metal objects are attracted to them. And at the end of the semester, the teacher put on an exam this question. Six letters, starts with M, picks up things. What am I? And over half the children wrote, mother. We have this thing in our house. I call it magic drawers. We have magic drawers at our house. You can open the drawer, and inside there's T-shirts, clean and folded. You can take it out. You can wear it, get it dirty. You can take it off, drop it on the floor, get up the next day, go to the drawer, pull it out. (gasps) There it is. Magic drawers. Actually, we have a wonderful mother. You need to love her generously. There's nothing too good for mom. How could you ever repay her? But we ought to Die trying. Hello? 
Number seven, we need to love her honorably. Exodus 20, verse 12. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God gives thee. This is binding as long as your mother lives. Honor your mother. Today, again, we think about the wonderful ladies that are in this family. And we honor you today. We thank you. Because we believe that you are first chair women. And that you're leading the way. And that you're speaking the lives. And the younger women have people that can live that example. Today we honor you. We thank you for the love and the patience. And all the gifts that you bring to the table. And we just want to say to you today how much we love and appreciate you. Each and every one. Let's give moms one more hand today. Come on, this is for your mama. Amen. Would you just bow your head and let's pray together before we go today. We want to pray one more prayer.